This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour, the best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we delve into your mind, your attitude, your focus, your concentration. We talk about the psychological side of sports here. I try to bring up topics every week that we can discuss and go into conversations about pertaining to mindsets and attitudes. And, you know, I've been in practice for over 40 years. I'm in my 30th year on the radio here in Kansas City. Our shows are podcasted around the world, around the country. Our shows are rebroadcast in a number of cities throughout the week. And we talk about different topics on this show each week that I think are of importance. And, you know, we are, thank goodness, uh, getting vaccinated in this country. More and more people are starting to feel some sense of normalcy returning. We're seeing sports happening all over the place now. Baseball's in full swing. Major League Soccer starting. College sports are starting to ramp up a lot more. I know a lot of high school sports are going on, youth sports are going on, and we're seeing activity come back to normal compared to a year ago when everything was shutting down. And uh, boy, a year ago, wasn't it scary? It was a scary time. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know where we were going. We didn't know what was going to happen. Thank goodness there have been scientists, there have been researchers out there studying everything and trying to get things under control. And today we're going to talk about a little bit of a different topic, and, the, and it's the issue of you know how safe is it to come back and play sports. We're going to be interviewing immunologist Sarah Clark here in the second part of our show. There's been a study out about playing through a pandemic, how youth sports and COVID coexist, how to get by. And the study has come out and talked about that most parents seem to think that most, most youth sports organizations uh, have done a good job giving clear information about the precautions and and getting kids out there to play safely because we are you know going back to youth sports happening not just high school sports but youth sports happening so one of the things i get into on this show is communication and i've talked about the importance of having a preseason meeting with parents if your child is in a youth sports league organization the importance of having a youth sport a, a youth sports team meeting with parents before the season starts where coaches talk about their game plan, their goals, their expectations. And now with this whole scenario with this pandemic and everything we've been dealing with, obviously to me, that's when coaches need to talk about safety issues, you know, about wearing masks, about the distancing issues, about you know keeping your hands clean. Of course, when you're playing sports, it's, you can't be washing your hands in between every at bat, things like that. So you've got to be careful with the things you're doing. So I think it's important that coaches have meetings and discuss these types of things. So I want to open up our phone lines before we get Sarah Clark on with us, second part of our show. What I like to open up our phone lines right away. And, and if you're a parent 
and your son or daughter plays youth sports or high school sports, what has been the what have been the precautions that have been discussed for your team? Have coaches talked about that? Have the league sent out information about safety issues? You know, I think that's something that should be talked about in spite of a pandemic, just, just any time we need to know about safety issues, especially in terms of, you know, baseball, balls being hit or kids being tackled or, or things like that in sports. The whole safety issue is so important. Something we've really never talked about much on this show. We've talked about injuries. I've had all kinds of physical therapists, athletic trainers on the show talking about rehabbing from injuries, but just as important as prevention of that type of stuff. In this study that came out about COVID-19 precautions in youth sports, it says giving clear information about precautions, 86% of parents polled said they give clear and good information. Consistent enforcement of precautions, 72% said so. Treating children fairly, 87% and listening to parent concerns, 83%. So basically it's saying three and four parents say their child's sport is right about their approach to COVID-19 precautions, and most parents give high ratings to their children's school or sports league for a clear communication, treating children fairly, and listening to parent concerns. One in four parents rate their children's sports leagues as fair or poor for consistent enforcement. So there's still about 25% out there saying that there's, there's still some issues with that. So I'd like, you know... Like if you're if you're a parent, your kids are playing sports. What was said to you? What was uh, communicated? How was it communicated? And if you're a coach, what's what's the way you would go about that? So let me bring Blake on, my producer. He's not a parent, right, Blake? You're still pretty young. You're not married, okay? But if you were going to be out there playing right now as as a high schooler, what would you do in terms of? safety what would you be thinking about in terms of safety you've played all these different sports when you were growing up obviously not not now in, in in terms of that that level but how would you feel about the safety issues if you were you were going out and playing right now well dr jacobs you know me um i believe that as of right now i would continue going about my business like we used to do back in the good old days uh before this whole COVID 19 thing happened i think i would just be um you know hoping for the best Obviously, knowing the, the kind of the statistics behind young people and and the virus itself, uh, I I personally would probably just be going out there doing what we normally would have done in the beginning. So I I personally wouldn't. Now I know that's obviously not uh, you know what is there there is obviously kids out there that that wouldn't be doing that. So and I don't know really how to to give them the best advice because I wouldn't be doing that. But that, so you that doesn't you mean I wouldn't be, tell so them. So in to, other words what you were, what I'm asking what so what I'm asking you is if they said you had to wear a mask you wouldn't wear one if you you know going out to practice not, obviously not in the field. But you see I've seen some major league games where you know yeah. like Gerard Dyson of the Royals yeah, has got a mask, a mask on yeah. while he's out there. Yeah. Um, I personally would not if I had the option. Now, if my coach came over and said, hey, everybody needs to do this or everybody needs to do that, um, you know, I would obviously. Well, you're a team player, Blake, so you yeah, would do what you're trying to do. I would try to but... oblige. Again, like like Gerard Dyson does go out there in the field and play with a mask on. Just coming from my point of view, because it's like, you know, I, I would do like most people do. We, we see most guys not wear it, but I have seen people take extra precautions. But me, yeah, me personally, uh, it kind of just comes down to what are the rules being being told to us and what are what are we giving leeway in? And so, well, I think I think the key thing here is the communication. And that's, you know, we always talk about on this show 
I've emphasized a lot the importance of communication with parents from coaches and leagues. And so that's something we have to get into. We're going to come back from our break. We're going to be bringing Sarah Clark on. She's from the University of Michigan. She's an immunologist. She's done a lot of research with this about safety with sports. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacob. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Migraine is a devastating neurological disease that affects nearly 40 million adults and 20% of women in the U.S. It's an invisible disease that is highly misunderstood. In fact, a survey conducted by the National Headache Foundation and Biohaven Pharmaceuticals confirms that 93% of people who don't suffer from migraine fail to understand the severity of the disease. Whoopi Goldberg is an actress, comedian, and television personality best known for being in the elite group of entertainers who've won an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. She has lived with migraine for decades, trying many different treatments, but none of them provided relief from the pain until now. That's why she's partnered with Biohaven Pharmaceuticals to share her experience finding relief from migraine with Nurtec ODT, Remigipant. For years, I've had to push through the pain of migraine, as women most often do. So a lot of people don't understand what that means and the impact that it can have on a person's life. So I am thrilled to have found relief with Nurtec ODT because with it, I no longer have the anxiety of another migraine day. Join Whoopi and share your migraine story with hashtag Nurtec ODT and learn more about Nurtec ODT at Nurtec.com. Nurtec ODT 75 milligram orally disintegrating tablets is a prescription medicine for the acute treatment of migraine in adults. Nurtec ODT is not indicated for the preventive treatment of migraine. Do not take if you are allergic to Nurtec ODT or any of its ingredients. The most common side effect was nausea in 2% of patients. Please visit Nurtec.com for full prescribing information, patient information, and important safety information. With the My Social Security account, you can request a replacement Social Security card, estimate your benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash my account. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. Your football buddy. Or you, your best man. Your worst man. You, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. 
Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And today we're talking about a little bit of a different topic. The issue of safety in sports, especially in youth sports, in light of the pandemic and everything that's been going on this past year. And there's been a lot of work done by researchers around the country, around the world, actually, about obviously COVID-19 and safety and issues like that. And as sports is coming back, youth sports especially, is getting back into action. One of the issues that's been important is, is how safe is it? How safe is it for the kids to be out there playing? How safe is it for you as a parent to be sitting in the stands? And joining us now is Sarah Clark. She's an immunologist at the University of Michigan. She has a master's in public health. I want to thank you for joining us this morning, Sarah. How are you today? I'm doing great. And I think that you really are zeroing in on an important piece that is often overlooked, and that's the communication to, you know, young uh, athletes and their families about what are they supposed to be doing here. Well, let me ask you. So you you uh, did this study about parents and the safety issues. How did all this come about? So this study was part of our uh, monthly CS Mott Children's Hospital National Poll on Children's Health Report. And, um, you know, I come from a sports family myself. My kids played all sports growing up. And this is something that I've talked about frequently and have seen in the news, um, and it's so important that kids are able to stay connected with the activities they love, and for a lot of kids, that's sports. But people were just really struggling with how do we do this in the midst of the pandemic? And so what we wanted to ask in this study, we wanted to ask about the parent experience What information were they receiving? How did they perceive that information? And then what actions were they taking along with that? So what did did you find out that that interested you or maybe was something you weren't, didn't think was gonna happen or weren't aware of was going on? Well, I put this, uh, these study results into kind of three groups. One is the good, and you had mentioned before a really high proportion of parents said that they got clear communication about what I would call general COVID precautions, both for the players and for the families. And that's the masking, social distancing, things like that. So that actually was was pretty good. Less good was guidance around testing. Only about six in 10 parents said that they got from their child sports organization. Now, keep in mind, that could be a school, that could be like a community parks and rec, or that could be travel team. Uh, Only 6 in 10 got guidance around testing. But that makes sense to me because that is an area that has been very fluid 
And um, I think it's a little hard for the sports organizations to figure out in our particular community, how are we supposed to handle this? Um, so there's, there's less guidance for parents and families around when kids are supposed to get testing and where to go. And then there's a third part that I call concerning. And that had to do with the communication from the sports organization around return to play if the child has a positive case of COVID. And what's concerning about that is we asked parents what they would do if their child had had COVID uh, during the season. And 40% of them said that they would just wait the number of days specified in the league guidance and then have the kid go back. And we don't like to see that because it doesn't bring in the child's health care provider. Maybe in the early days of COVID when we all thought that this was just something that affected older people and folks with chronic diseases. But nowadays the new variants of COVID absolutely have uh, more serious implications for youth. And so we don't want people simply saying, oh, it was 10 days, kids fine to go back to sports. We really need to bring in the child's health professional there. So how is that going to happen? Because I know a lot of people, obviously there's there's a wide array of views on this whole scenario. Mm-hmm. How do we get, you know, consistency and in, in, in parents feeling like it's safe for their kids to be out there playing? What, what's the best way to go about doing that? Yeah, I think we have to acknowledge that the information has been changing. And frankly, the situation has been changing now we are in a uh, kind of a new phase. Yeah, it's a very it's a very fluid situation constantly. And that makes it hard for the sports organizations. And I think it's okay if we all acknowledge that. But so parents, you got to give the sports organization a little bit of a break because they are dealing with um, something that is evolving. But schools, uh, sports associations, travel teams, community parks and recs. They can't just make one guideline and say, okay, this is it, and we're good for the rest of the year. They have to go back and revisit. I wish that they would reach out to their local public health professionals. Uh, That works a little differently in each state, but often it can be the county or state. Um, That can be really helpful and provide some resources of, okay, here's where we're at locally um, and we would like people to kind of customize those recommendations based on what your local or state public health officials are telling. What, Sarah, let me ask this question. What, what's the biggest obstacle or barrier for sports organizations with this whole scenario? Because this is obviously a new situation. We've never really dealt with something like this before where, where kids have to be careful, parents have to be careful about something like this. There's, obviously, there's the whole injury issue we always talk about or types of viruses, nothing like this. So, so what would you say to that? So we, we definitely want to recognize that, um, in particular, the new variants seem to be uh, much more uh, transmissible, and they certainly are affecting kids. So I think number one is um, make sure you carry the attitude that uh, this potentially could affect kids. And we see these, um, they sometimes call them COVID long haulers 
or individuals who, even after that first infection is done, continue to exhibit concerning symptoms. So we want to take it seriously. But the second thing that I think is a real challenge that I hear from a, a lot of folks that I talk with is there is often a desire to be fair, and by that meaning, well, we will have exactly the same uh, policies for every sport. That's super hard. Uh, we mentioned, you guys were mentioning baseball a second ago. It's a different story for an uh, outdoor sport like baseball or soccer compared to basketball or wrestling. Um, and so I get that everybody wants to do the exact same thing for everyone. But in this case, it actually makes sense to think through what makes, uh, what fits best with the way each sport is practiced and the way competition works. So I think be thoughtful is really a, a lesson that everybody can go along with. We're going to go to our break here. I'd, lo- I'd love for you to stick with us and come back in our next segment. I-, I want to talk about the issue of fear because obviously that plays a key role here. I want to see what, what you've thought about that in terms of the, the studies you've done here with this because you know there, we talk about fear. There are a lot of people afraid of getting sick. There are a lot of people afraid of catching the virus. A lot of people are afraid of following the rules. That that plays a big role in this. You said in the studies that you've done, 25% of parents, you know, aren't sure about the safety issues. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Sarah Clark is joining me. She's an immunologist from the University of Michigan. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Low back pain affects more than 30 million Americans and is the world's leading cause of years lost to disability. Nearly 20% of people with low back pain will develop chronic low back pain, which can negatively impact personal relationships, work productivity, and people's daily routines. For some patients, the cause of chronic low back pain is not easy to identify, making it difficult to treat with standard medical care, which can include taking medicine. Dr. Alan Burton, Medical Director, Abbott's Neuromodulation Business, explains how Abbott is exploring treatment options for low back pain with its distinct clinical study. Unrelenting, severe, and constant low back pain can be difficult to manage, but Abbott's distinct clinical study is hoping to find answers for patients. The study compares spinal cord stimulation, Abbott's burst DR stimulation, with typical approaches to help relieve pain, increase physical function, and improve emotional well-being for people living with severe and chronic low back pain. Burst DR stimulation works to reduce pain by altering the pain signals as they travel to the brain. Eligible participants include patients who have suffered with low back pain for more than six months, who have not had lumbar spine surgery, and are not able to have surgery. To see if you are eligible for Abbott's distinct study and to obtain more information on how to enroll, visit neurostudies.abbott. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. 
furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. (laughs) Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the psychological side of sports. Joining me today is Sarah Clark from the University of Michigan. We're talking about a study she's done about safety issues in youth sports. She found that one in four parents give their sports leagues low rankings for consistently enforcing safety guidelines. You know, as youth sports gets going again, there are outbreaks we're hearing amongst a lot of youth sports scenarios where they've had to shut down because of the COVID issue. So, Sarah, as I mentioned before we went to our break, the word fear. How much does that play a role here with parents and 
safety and and what about kids i don't i don't think kids are that afraid of it as much as parents are i think that you're right kids have shown us that they are so adaptable in this uh you know uh from being able to wear masks to you know kind of rolling with a lot of things um a lot of the changes that this has brought um although i think i think a lot of kids struggle with the virtual school but there were two places here that we saw fear uh, coming out in this in this study. The first was so we looked. We asked parents about fall and winter sports. So fall 2020 and winter 2021. Excuse me. When did you start doing this research? We um, we actually asked parents this January. So this is very new data. Okay. Um, and this was. Uh, parents across the country uh, and we asked them in January so it's new and they were commenting on their very recent experiences and so you know the other thing is they were talking about six months into the pandemic um, when sports organizations and schools have had had a little bit of time to prepare so this wasn't the very early months and we saw that one in four parents said their kids were uh, playing a fall or winter sport, again, in community or travel or school-based. But among those who weren't, a third said the sport was canceled, and one in four said, well, the sport wasn't canceled, but the parents didn't think it was safe. So I think that's where the fear comes in. Sometimes it's the fear of the parent. Sometimes it is fear on the part of the sports organization to say, we aren't sure that we can do this, one, safely, but two, in a way that um, either we won't be uh, liable legally or we won't get, you know, kind of attacked by all sides for whatever we do, and they just kind of punted. I really wish we would make decisions that allow kids to participate, maybe in a slightly different way than we usually do. But I would love the default to be, let's try to have as much participation as possible, not cancel things. You know, the psychological aspect of, of, of youth sports today, the impact it has on kids. I work with so many young people. I work with a young man actually in New York who's a, a high school baseball player. And he hasn't. He's, his high school is now fielding their, their team to play the, sp- the spring games. He didn't play last summer for this reason they didn't play in the fall because of this reason and so it's really affected him psychologically the anxiety is has risen with him he's stressed about it his family's worried about it did you find that with a lot of people that there's the the, the impasse that we had has caused a lot of psychological damage for a lot of kids we didn't address that in this particular study but I know from talking with various people about this and other sports-related work that that absolutely is going on. And, you know, kids um, at different stages, the younger kids tend to just say, what are we doing now? Yeah, jump in and do it. But as kids start to get older, they do get uh, a little nervous that they might not be good enough um, or sometimes we have just disrupted kids' social routines that 
uh, we're losing the ability to say, hey, yeah, let's try, let's go out for baseball this year. Or let's uh, let's try to you know be part of intramurals or whatever it is. We are um, in some instances uh, disrupting the routines so much that it's making it more. It's making it easier for people to say no, where what we'd like to do is kind of facilitate that pathway to yes, get people to participate, let's make it easy. And part of this communication around COVID is let's make people feel it's safe. And sometimes that's going to be the youth themselves, and sometimes that's going to be parents. I do know there are many youth worried about getting COVID at school or through sports and bringing it back to a vulnerable family member. That's why this stage of the game where now the adults can be vaccinated is so important because we shouldn't be putting that kind of burden on our kids that they should be protecting the family. We the, just want them to be kids. The twenty, the twenty-five percent of parents that, that question the safety issues, then what, what, how can that be addressed to uh, allow them to become more comfortable with their kids getting back involved in, in, in sports and youth sports activities? I think that is a concerted effort through the schools, through the athletic associations, through Parks and Rec, saying, um, one, we are staying on top of the information and we're constantly adapting to what we hear. Um, Two, we are watching the numbers. And three, you know, give us a call. We'll work with you. We'll have a conversation about um, uh, how we're doing things. We're happy to hear your suggestions. Just being really open. One of the things that I've heard so much during the pandemic is it's hard to get a hold of somebody. We hear that in the medical setting. We hear that in government services or social services. Um, You know, we've all seen the workplace being very disrupted. And I wonder if we just had a chance to reach some of these parents so somebody could have a conversation, hear their specific concerns, and say, all right, here's how we're addressing that. I wonder if we couldn't bring that 25% down quite a bit. What do you think the most important component of that's going to be? Just just more communication from leagues, league organ- organizers, administrators, coaches? I mean, how do you think that can be done better? I, I typically feel like uh, coaches to parents are is a great option because you would want that to be a relationship. Sometimes the fear factor can get in the way of the kid even signing up for the team. So we might actually have to go at a higher level. So you would hope that that's athletic directors, that's representatives of the travel team or people at the city parks and rec office. Um, Those folks need to be prepared with uh, being able to explain what's our plan, what are you concerned about. You know, the, the other thing that I don't feel like is communicated well is, well, how does it work if somebody on the team is exposed? So be able to explain that. Well, we pause practice. We, you know, they might not have to use the words contact tracing because for some people that sounds really scary. But we talk through, well, who is that kid around for how often um, and do we need to have that have that kid sit out of practice for a certain number of days? Are there any other um, 
uh, there any other players on the team who had close enough contact uh, that we're really worried about. Right. Uh, when we, just even talking with parents about, like, we do that. That's our plan. Well, when we come back from this break, I'd like to finish up our show talking about where we go from here, Sarah, based on your research and what you found, how you feel we can do with this in the future. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me is Sarah Clark from the University of Michigan. She's an immunologist. We're talking about COVID-19 and safety precautions. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Right now, our country feels divided, but there's a place where people are coming together. I gotta tell you, I was nervous to talk to someone so different than me. Me too, but I'm glad we are. Love Has No Labels and One Small Step are helping people with different political views, beliefs, and life experiences come together through conversation. And it feels good. Wow, your story is so... uh, Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) When people actually sit down, talk, and listen to one another, they can break down boundaries and connect as human beings. At lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step, you can listen to amazing, life-changing conversations and find simple tools to start a conversation of your own. I know one thing. This conversation gives me hope. It gives me a lot of hope, too. Take a step toward bringing our country and your community together by having the courage to start a conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. (laughs) Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 
810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. We talk about the mental side of sports, issues affecting us in the world of sports. And joining me today is Sarah Clark from the University of Michigan. She has a master's in public health. We're talking about studies she's done about COVID-19 and parents' reactions about safety issues, about coming back. And, and Sarah, so where do we go from here? Okay, so we're in the situation where You've done this research. You, you, you've had kids playing sports. I've had kids playing sports, although my sons are 31, almost 30 now. But where do we go from here? Because this, the whole safety issue is something that that I've, I've addressed on this show at times in terms of injuries, but never in terms of this thing. So as we're talking, the TVs here in the studio are showing on the scroll bar at the bottom, the Minnesota Twins and California Angels games have been canceled because two Twins players have tested positive for COVID-19. So it's obviously still going on. It's still an issue. So what do you think the, the answer is in terms of how we go from here and get through this? I think the strategy for youth sports can be um, continue to use those common sense safety protocols the masking, the distancing, um, not sharing water bottles, not sharing food, uh, bringing kids in small groups when it makes sense for practice. Start with that. Um, I hope that youth sports really think about testing. In Michigan, we just started this with our high school sports. I wish we had done it sooner so that kids are tested once a week. The benefit of that is catching cases early so that you can have an individual kid pause and uh, take a, a COVID break, let the, the disease run its course, get checked out by the doc, return to play. And you catch it before you have a team-wide outbreak or it spreads. And I think that um, the combination of those two, if you've been doing good safety protocols, then you are hoping to prevent the spread of that one case to the rest of the team. That's why we want those two things together. Um, until the vaccine is available for kids of all ages, I think we will have to continue to do that. And if people are doing their best, we have testing and we're taking action when we see a positive test, then I think hopefully most kids and most families are comfortable moving ahead with youth sports. Is the importance of of educating everybody really that the, the begin how we start with all this just explaining to everyone why because you know we we know there's there's a large group of people who aren't going to be vaccinated they won't do it they don't believe in it um and obviously if you have a, a bunch of kids on a youth sports team you might have some parents or families that, that don't want to do that so when you've got that how do, how do we move on from that what's the best way to handle that you think I think part of that communication is, um, you know, vaccination is, is currently voluntary, and I am guessing it's going to stay that way. So we are going to have to continue with the safety protocols. And, uh, again, testing, isolating the, the positive cases. And I, I, I really hope that youth sports don't get into um, – a battle over vaccination, but really communicate it more as a part of this is how this is going to have to proceed when we have either 
all unvaccinated kids or a mixture of vaccinated and unvaccinated. This is just how it's going to have to proceed. The same way that colleges and professional leagues are doing the same thing. Do you think that obviously outdoor sports are safer than indoor sports because of the scenario being outside? Are you seeing a difference in terms of parents from the indoor sports versus the outdoor sports in terms of their their feelings about being safer? I do think that because we collected our data in January, you know, a good chunk of the country wasn't outside at that point in time, um, though we didn't really see huge regional differences in the parent attitudes. It would be interesting to ask these same questions uh, in a few months when we've had the spring and the summer outdoor sports and see if parents felt like uh, they felt more comfortable with their kids participating. You know, a, a big decision right now that's happening across the country is community, you know, rec and education or parks and rec leagues, are they going to operate for the summer? And I, I really hope that, again, we choose to facilitate participation. Yeah, I mean, the the whole psychological aspect and the, the harm that's, that has happened to so many young people from not being in school, not being around their friends, socializing, and then not playing sports, it's it's left a scar on a lot of people. Now, a lot of people are fine, but a lot of people aren't. And so I think, you know, being able to get back to some sense of normalcy, obviously, in a safety, in a safe way is important. But that's also, I think, like we talked about, the whole importance of communication and, and explaining everything to, to parents and kids about that and giving them that comfort level. And like you're saying, if the scenarios can be, be brought brought up where, where testing can be done, it's going to make it a lot, I think, people feel a lot better. And another important aspect of the communication has to be this is our plan to start, and please know that there may be changes if the situation changes, if we get more research, if we get different public health guidelines, so that people don't look at changes as, ooh, something bad and scary is going on, but rather, okay, well, people are figuring out a better way to do this. Yeah, and like I said, you know, as, as we're talking this morning, the Twins-Angels games have been canceled because two players with the Twins have tested positive. So it's still it's still going to be going on, but, but it's being dealt with in a much more, I think, scientific way now and, and handled better. And you're going to see that more and more, I think, it, it, as we get more and more people vaccinated and, and the country feels safer, it's going to be handled in, in a much better, more scientific way. Is there anything, before we finish up, anything you'd like to add just in terms of telling parents, you know, what do you think the, the best message that from this work you've done you could give to parents just about the future with, with all this and where to go? I think for parents, ask questions, um, share your input, and then as much as possible, respect the guidelines and follow them and encourage your kid to follow them. I do think if we have sort of a, a group attitude of let's do what we can to make sure the kids can play, I feel like that's really going to be helpful in pushing through this last phase of the pandemic. Yeah, I agree with you so much, and, and, and I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning. This has been a very interesting conversation. I'm really intrigued with the work you did here. If people would like to get a hold of you, find out more, Sarah, how can they get a hold of you? 
www.mottpoll.org, M-O-T-T-P-O-L-L.org, is a great place to find this report, the other work that we do, and you can get to me through that uh, website also. And do you have any other studies in the works now? Uh, we are planning to look at uh, part- youth sports participation um, we've done that a, a couple of times over the years. It's a particular interest of mine because we see so many disparities in that. Um, and I do want to follow up on this particular one, maybe expanding it beyond sports to all types of activities as we get ready for the 2021-22 school year. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. Very interesting study and very important information for everybody to hear. Take care, stay safe, and, th- and thanks again. Thanks for having me, Dr. Jacobson. You know, this is obviously a topic we haven't really discussed in this show before, but it may be really one of the most important ones because when we look at sports, when we look at youth sports, high school sports, college sports, professional sports, we all want to be safe. And as, you know, I'm hoping by this fall when football games start going on, I'm going to be able to go out to Kansas City Chiefs games and feel comfortable being out there again like everybody else is going to want to feel when there's 78,000 people in a stadium and stadiums are packed and people are, are ready to go. But obviously, you know, th- this is this is an important issue as we move through this. But I think the biggest key thing here that I picked up from, from what Sarah was saying from the study, communicate, communicate, communicate. If you've got questions, ask. And, and it starts with, I think, sports organizations starting at the administrators on down. Have a plan. Have a game plan to deal with this. Have plan A and plan B. Here's how we want to handle it. If this goes well, here's how we're going to handle it if it doesn't go well. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. If you'd like to reach me, several ways to get a hold of me. My website is winnersunlimited.com. Our book, Just Let Him Play, is on there, co-written with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone. You can find, you know, reach me at drj at winnerslimited.com. You can also get a hold of me at my office at 816-561-5556. Follow me on Twitter at drjsportspsych. Have a great week. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. 
If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. 